You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Research shows Australian students are leaving school and starting university burdened with anxiety about achieving the marks they need and which career path they will pursue. While this is obviously unhealthy on a number of levels, being locked into a high-stress response is also counterproductive to students achieving their academic potential. Dr Shelley Davido from the University of the Sunshine Coast joins us to discuss some of the factors causing this and suggest some changes that might alleviate the stress for students. You describe the anxiety levels of students by saying they are suffering from finish line syndrome. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Yes. So I believe we've created a narrative in society in which we've drawn this imaginary finish line probably somewhere like in the during the last days of exams in year 12 and that our entire educational system is then geared towards this finish line and you know parents and teachers are all involved in this narrative and so we goad and cajole our children towards this finish line which is completely imaginary but but we've created a reality now which is absolutely packed chock full of stress from all the way from kindergarten through year 12 and I think this doesn't serve us well. And um, you, you say that students leaving high school and, and entering university are, are being driven to this anxiety by the uh, enormous expectations placed on them. Um, who or what would you say are the key drivers of this? Well, I think it's a societal narrative which um, creates this, it's sort of the pass-fail dichotomy. So either you're, you've passed or you've failed, or you're a success or you're a failure, or you win or you lose. And I think that is... That's the primary problem. You know, we say, oh, we celebrate failure, but in reality, society looks down on failure very poorly. I mean, the minute we give A to F grades, there is no encouragement for failing or having divergent approaches to things or um, open-ended questions that don't have right or wrong answers, but just have a variety of solutions. And so I think I think our whole narrative needs to change. That's what I'm advocating for, that from the way that we grade students to the way that um, we expect people to be at a certain stage, at a certain age, um, all of that feeds into this narrative, which I think has its basis in something real, you know, survival. And, you know, there are winners and losers. Like if you go right back to monkeys in the trees, you know, the monkey who gets the banana survives. Um, But a year 12 certificate or um, an A is not the equivalent of surviving. There are so many ways to survive, but what we've done is now that has become a proxy for life or death. So it's like pass or fail, win or lose, life or death. And um, and it creates enormous stress in a society which, you know, I'm coming from the position of having lived on five continents. And this is absolutely the safest, most incredible place to live. And I'm absolutely stunned by the the levels of anxiety which is then, I have to say, it's societally induced. It's not like we're in a war zone or, um, you know, we're surrounded by 90% of people who are unemployed. That's not the situation. So the anxiety is not does not correlate to um, the level of comfort in our society in general. Mm. Um, I, I guess that... Um to, to a degree, you could say that it, is this just an inevitable outcome of the increasingly competitive and globalised world that we live in? Perhaps. I, I think that's part of it. And I think that's the narrative, you know, that, that we're in this race to the top. And um, 
the fact is really that if you if you do want to succeed in the ways that we measure success by say for example achieving highly in an exam the worst possible position you can be in is a stressed position because that actually impedes cognitive function and um and so the things that we are aiming for we're going about getting there in the wrong way so if you really really wanted academic geniuses you would be more concerned with their um the kids' nervous systems and whether they were spending most of the day in a fight-or-flight state or in an optimum state um, called high coherence. That's a term coined by the Institute of Heart Math in California, where blood flow to the brain is optimized. Um, you, you know, it's a, it's a high-performance state. So all this sitting at a desk and sweating over stuff and getting anxious is, is you know, it might look noble to those who see you falling apart, but it's not really... Um, it's not really in our best interest. So if, if we really did want to compete, we'd want to be in the optimum state mm. and we've done really, we've lost sight of what that is. Yeah. Okay, so obviously the, the focus is on making sure that we're in the best, or our students are in the best um, mental frame of mind to, um, yeah. to excel. Yeah. Um, by easing the pressure on school leavers um, in, in knowing, knowing what they want to do with their lives, um, I, I was wondering, is there also some risk perhaps of, then maybe lapsing into indecision and, and um, you know, lacking drive or direction? And, and if so, um, how, how can we sort of manage that or avoid it? I think we, we fear that because we think that that must be externally induced drive or direction, you know, the carrot and the whip. When kids find their passion or find their element, as Ken Robinson says, when any of us find our element, there is no problem with motivation and drive. It's it's the lack of ability to find your element and then the lack of ability of the society around to support kids to take the time that they need sometimes to find their element because, you know, when when you're 18, you are not completely a developed person. You don't even know what's out there. I was talking to some year 12s yesterday and they said, we don't know what to do because we don't even know what we can do. So they don't know what options there are. And the reality is, we don't know what the future holds and there are enormous possibilities out there that don't exist yet that will. And so I think our, our best bet is to support kids to develop capacities and to, to not take away the time that they need to find their passion. So there's always a risk that people fall off the bandwagon, but they are falling off the bandwagon now in a very serious way. So I don't think it could be, I mean, maybe it could be worse, but I think we're at a pretty, um, I would say we're at a static place. There are kids dropping out, uh, not being engaged at school. I think our school system is no longer meeting the needs of society and the needs of, of the students who are in them. So um, so I think, yeah, that's our, our primal fear is that, oh, my gosh, if we don't have a whip and a carrot, you know, people are just going to lie back and be covered in chips until they're 25 and play Xbox. And mm. that's the risk anyway. It's always the risk. But imagine if you were given the opportunity to find what you loved and what you were passionate about for that moment, um, how that might change your motivation. What are some ways in, in, in which um, we might be able to um, you know, give students the opportunity to, to find their passion um, or their element? Um, and I, I guess by asking that, I'm, I'm also asking, um, you know, how do we change the message, as, as you put it yeah. earlier, to, to ease that pressure? I think that's, yeah, that's a great question, and that's the most important one of all. 
the first thing is to um, take the weight off the product and put it on the process. So if we're talking, let's let's choose a context, let's say in the classroom. Uh, let's give an example. Um, you want kids to learn such and such, and all the weight is on the assessment piece. And so the process is only geared towards an outcome. But what if the weight was on the process? What if it was a project with an open-ended result that everybody was engaged in and that you could bring different talents to? So say it was a project that crossed from history to geography to maths and it involved all these things and you were designing a city and you were creating you know, how the water was going to flow and how, um, how, the, how population growth was going to be controlled and you had to use every possible faculty and the end result was just a design. And so you are then given um, the reward is the process and maybe you get actual architects and city planners and designers to come back and give you feedback on your design. And then you have a real world engagement with a real project that might actually um, be useful to society. And this could be done in year three or it could be done at university. And the idea then is that we're not actually worried about a grade. We're worried about how well is this going to work in the world? So um, that's the one thing. The other thing is that I know that Ken Robinson said creativity should be as important as maths and literacy, and I agree with that. Um, and that's not just because we need innovative thinkers. It's because we actually need, as human beings, an inner life. I mean, we spend a third of our lives asleep um, dreaming, dreaming crazy things. We need an inner life, and we need to feed that inner life. And so all the art, all the sensory experiences that we get through the arts are absolutely essential to our optimum functioning as human beings. And when we take that away and we think we're just these heads that need to absorb and, and then um, regurgitate so-called knowledge, we're actually diminishing the capacity of human beings. So I think making space for creative endeavors in every, in every part of our educational system and, and educational endeavors that are not graded or weighted you know, we've been we've become so obsessed with metricizing everything. Mm. Um, what what would be? I would I would say that you would see enormous benefits in the things that you did measure, if you allowed space for things that you didn't measure. So those are my um, those are two. <laughs> I could give you more, but we probably run out of time. Mm. Oh, that's fine. Um, I, I was at, I was actually going to ask if there was one thing or you know, one lever you could pull. What would it be? I, I guess you've um, you probably just covered it there. Um, is there anything else you'd, you'd like to add on the on the subject? I just feel like, yeah, we've become we've become so obsessed with data that we've actually lost sight of the fact that data is produced by human beings doing things, mm. and that we cannot possibly measure everything. Like if if I were to try to get a picture of you from you know a bunch of blood test results and scans and everything, I would know absolutely nothing about actually who the person is. And I think we're, we're at that point now in terms of uh, measuring our output. And mm. I would love us to just, um, you know, data is useful. I'm not, you know, not um, dissing that at all. I think it's very useful, but I think we need to lose that narrative to a large degree and replace it with a better one. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks. All the best.